0: Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters. I have the privilege of reading the scripture this morning. Our passage is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and into... Chapter 2, first few verses. And it's entitled The Beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. That was the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and there was the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures And let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about it in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is God's word.
0: Thanks, Neil. Junior highs, I'm told you're dismissed for your class now, so if you want to, or they already went. Morning. How y'all doing? How many of you are like, I know the creation story. I could have been sleeping in. I wouldn't be so cold. You think, I know, I know. It's okay. You don't have to admit that to me. It's great to be with you here today. I love that story. It's so fascinating to me that they put that entire narrative in something that can be read in like five minutes. It's amazing to me because I just think of an artist at work. I think of stopping downtown and seeing an artist, you know, with a spray can and a bunch of random objects, and as he places them and sprays and pulls away, and then all of a sudden, this amazing creation comes out of what you would think is a pile of junk. And when I read that story, I think this is an artist at work, creating mountains, building trees, pausing and saying, that's good. I just love it. I love it. I love that we get to dig into the story today. Uh, If we haven't met yet, my name is Mark. It's uh, it's so cool to be here. If you're thinking that's not our pastor or where is our pastor, Uh, you've missed it. It's been a while, but we've kind of been partnering two churches. Don't worry, your pastor's not gone. Uh, But uh, I pastor a church uh, called Connection, uh, a little ways down from here. And we're in this kind of one-year, 12-month exploration of what it looks like for two churches, partner together, and, and just we've just been experiencing that it just seems like we're better together. And so uh, in this partnership, it's been really awesome. And I just thought I'd just say thank you. Thank you so much. I know you're in the middle of REACH campaign, wanting to have a big impact and REACH uh, all across this city and this region. And I just want to tell you how, how much you've reached out to us and helped us uh, who are seven years younger than you. It's just been uh, so cool, you know, especially as the only pastor at my church to have another pastor and other pastors like Tony um, and a team like Melissa and Malcolm and, and the whole crew to be able to work with and get ideas from. Um, our home groups have loved having the same questions that you go through every week. Tony's been so gracious to share those with us. Um, we have baptism class today. Our intern is actually teaching it, and he's teaching it off the stuff that Tony gave him from your baptism class. It's incredible. It's incredible the reach you're having. We have a family that's joined us. They actually live in Rexdale, and they were coming to Upper Room, and so they just kind of chatted, and they're just like, maybe we'll just go to Connection, and they've been such a blessing. If you know Dave and Bryden, you know they'd be a blessing. In fact, this week, my wife was really sick, and they were at our door praying for us. You know, they just came in and prayed with us, left so much good food. It was incredible, and we were just, we were blessed by that reach and impact that you're having, Um, and not only that, but as the only pastor, sometimes I wonder, if I die, who does my funeral? You know, because I don't really have a pastor. And uh, it's been really cool because Vijay's kind of turned into my pastor. And so a couple weeks ago, he was speaking at Connection. I was speaking here. And then I kind of left early, you know, right after the message. And uh, he actually dedicated our child. I mean, it's not an infant anymore. He's 18 months. But it was so cool to have another pastor that I could just, you know, be a congregant for a day and be blessed and encouraged and challenged by VJ, And so, such a gift, so cool to be in relationship with you guys as a church, and uh, really do believe that we're better together in the ways that we've been relating, and just thought I'd give you a quick glimpse of that before we jump in. But today is part seven of our series called Under the Influence. Next week it's going to be finishing off with VJ with part eight. But I want to ask you a question as we get started. Do you ever feel like you're moving too fast? You ever had that time where you kind of open the fridge in the morning and you wonder why are there diapers in the fridge? You ever had that moment where you're just like, oh, I was unloading so fast from Costco and I was just rushing off and I was just throwing things everywhere and for some reason my diapers are now refrigerated? You ever have that moment? You ever have that moment where you're driving and you're using the pedestrian countdown as the way that you gauge how fast you need to be approaching the intersection to make sure you cross the line and the light is still yellow? You ever done that? You ever been standing kind of halfway in the elevator door, you're in the elevator, and the people coming can see half your body, and you're like, hey, come, and at the other side that they can't see, you're pressing the door close button because you're in such a rush to get to your desk? It's resonating, isn't it? You ever send your kids out of the car to press the pedestrian button to try and speed up the light? You don't have to raise your hands, it's okay. I, I, these examples come from my life. Where else would I get them from? You ever get tired of waiting for the left-hand turn signal, so instead you make a right-hand turn, do a U-turn, and then go straight? You didn't even know you could do that, but you're taking notes already in church. You you ever lie in bed at night and wonder if the red light camera was at that intersection? (laughs) You ever celebrate red lights when you have a text that you just need to finish and it's urgent? You ever apologize for neglecting something or someone that you love, but you were just so busy you missed it? You ever say to yourself, there are just not enough hours in the day, I just have no time, and I I guess I could sleep a little bit less? Do you ever lose track of how many coffees you've had in the day? Do you ever respond to the question, how are you doing with I'm so busy, and not realize that they asked you a qualitative question, and you answered quantitatively? They wanted to know if you were good or bad, and you decided to tell them how fast you're moving. But you didn't even realize that because you were moving so fast the reality is we keep getting busier but i'm not sure we're more effective I've been reading this book lately called the rest of god by an author named mark buchanan and uh, he has a few quotes that i just think are so good i just want to read them slowly for you and they'll be up on the screen he says i cannot think of a single advantage i've ever gained from being in a hurry but a thousand broken and missed things, tens of thousands, lie in the wake of all that rushing. Through all that haste, I thought I was making up time. It turns out I was throwing it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a part of you that's kind of like, no, 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 but I'm, I'm not rushing. I'm just trying to be efficient. I'm trying to, as Christians would say, I'm trying to be a good steward of the time I've been given. He has this amazing quote of, of how to know if you're really rushing or resting. He says, one measure for whether, it's on the screen, for whether or not you're rested enough is to ask yourself this, how much do I care about the things that I care about? When we lose concern for people, both the lost and the found, for the bride of Christ, for friendship, for truth and beauty and goodness, when we cease to laugh when our children laugh laugh, and instead yell at them to quiet down, or weep when our spouses weep and instead wish they didn't get so emotional. When we hear news of trouble among our neighbors and our first thought is that we hope it isn't going to involve us, when we stop caring about the things that we care about, that's a signal that we're too busy. Busyness kills the heart. Busyness makes us stop caring about the things that we care about. You see, we've been in this series called Under the Influence and talking about all the things that influence our lives and influence the direction and influence the actions, and it's all been about, as followers of Jesus, we are called to love. And yet, all of these things usually draw us away and influence away from being loving, and instead, we fill it with a whole bunch of other things, and we'd be missing something if we didn't talk about busyness, because the reality is, is busyness is affecting the way that we love the opportunities to love and the people around us that we miss every single day because we're so busy rushing to the next thing. So today I want to speak about pace. Today I want to speak about the pace that we move in our life and for the sole purpose of becoming more and more loving as followers of Jesus. Now, I'm going to be teaching today, but you have a role, okay? So I want you to pay really close attention. Your role is to just sit there and say, Wow. Can everyone just try that for a second? Just say, wow. wow. Good, okay. What you're not allowed to say is how. Okay, good. You didn't say it. Excellent. Okay, so wow, not how. We'll talk about the how near the end, but I just want you to sit in of this. I don't want you to try and figure out the how. I don't want you to be the realist who says, well, if I know the glass is half empty, at least I'll fill it up, okay? Doesn't matter. It's irrelevant today. You just need to focus on wow, okay? Don't argue with me. Don't have imaginary conversations in your head because imaginary conversations with the preacher, you always win because I don't know what you're talking about and I never get to fight back, okay? So no imaginary conversations. No, you don't know my life and you don't know what I go through. It's irrelevant today because today is all about wow, followed by a little bit of how. Can you guys, you guys cool with that? Uh, All right, all right, okay, okay, excellent. So today we are talking about maybe one of my favorite topics. In fact, if you ever invite me to speak somewhere and people have learned this, and you say, doesn't matter what you speak on, speak whatever you like, this is the topic I pick, and it is Sabbath. Ooh, yeah, Sabbath. Now, if you're wondering, like, what is Sabbath? You know, new to church, new to, you know, religious things. Sabbath, in in many different faiths, is kind of a one in seven, one day every seven, where followers of Jesus, Jews have done this for thousands of years. Pause. They stop working, and they rest for the day. Now, I realize Sabbath doesn't sound great to some of you. Some of you, Sabbath has baggage. Some of you, you maybe grew up in religious, legalistic homes, and Sabbath was the no day. You know, you can't do this, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. It's like, what can I do? And they tell you, and you're like, no, right? It's just Everything's No. It just, it just feels miserable. It felt like a burden. It felt like you were just trudging through it. Others of you, you're like, okay, Sabbath, I mean, it's in the Bible, but it's Old Testament. You know, Jesus came. We're in the New Testament now, New Covenant. And the interesting thing is, is, in fact, and you often say, like, you know, Jesus even broke the Sabbath. To be clear, Jesus didn't break the Sabbath. Jesus broke what religious people thought the Sabbath should be because they put all these rules on it. They took a gift and they made it a burden. But Jesus took the Sabbath seriously, and so we take the Sabbath Seriously, in fact, three things that Jesus said about it. He said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He didn't say, I'm Lord and I'm get rid of the Sabbath. He said, I'm the Lord of it. He said, it's not meant for us to serve it, but it is meant to serve us. And lastly, he said, it's okay to do good on the Sabbath. He didn't say it's okay to do good because Sabbath doesn't matter, but he said he qualified it with Sabbath. So Jesus took the Sabbath seriously, so we take the Sabbath seriously, and today I wanna to start right where we started, Genesis chapter one, and we're gonna see the first Sabbath ever taken, and this is the really cool thing, okay, because the scriptures talk a lot about Sabbath, but you can find everything that you need to know about Sabbath in this one passage. So I'm gonna read this passage, and I'm, there's words that are kind of underlined. If you can shout out those words with me, that would really help me out, and those words that you shout out highlight them if you have a Bible with you, or highlight them on your device. Kind of just hold your finger and slide it and then pick your color. It's awesome. Okay, you can do that. But these words are so crucial, we're going to unpack them. Okay, so shout it out when we get to the underlined. God saw all that he made, and it was? Yo, very good. Good stuff. Okay, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast Just imagine the first time creation's ever being seen. So beautiful. By the seventh day, God finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Oh, I missed one. Yeah. All right. Then God, the Sabbath, the seventh day, and made it because on it, he. Was that one not highlighted? I I highlighted the wrong one. Anyways, we said rested at some point. All the work of creating that had been done. If you forget everything that you know about Sabbath and start here, I promise you, you will say, wow. Can I unpack it for you? First thing, you notice the whole creation story. After everything he does, he pauses and he says, this is good. This is good. This is good. Then the last day, he stops and he looks back and he's like, never mind. This is very good. This is amazing. In fact, in the original language, it has this posture of pleasure and delight. It's like, wow, like God's just kind of like a little kid in the candy store. He's like, this is ama- I can't believe I did that. He's just, it's this sense of awe and wonder and amazement. And that's the first element of Sabbath. It's just this idea of delight. The second thing is he rested. It literally means Sabbath. The word Sabbath literally means to stop. God stopped what he was doing. And you kind of pause and you think, why did he stop? I thought God was never tired, never ceasing, never slumbering. He didn't need to stop, but he chose to stop, which is so insightful for Sabbath because what it means is this. It's not for lazy, tired, low-capacity people who couldn't make it through seven days so they took a day off to catch their breath because God didn't need a day to rest, and yet he took it. That somehow there is rest that even though it's not needed, but it is there and it is a gift. The next thing is not only did he stop working, but he blessed it. Which is interesting, right? Because we use that word a lot, right? God bless you. We finish our emails off with blessings. I don't never understand, right? Like whatever it is, right? Or you know hashtag blessed. And it's like, what does that really mean? Like it sounds like a good thing, you know? God bless you. Like, what? Your mama. Like you've never responded that way, right? Like it sounds like something that's good. And yet, it's like, what does it really mean? Well, when you look in the passage of scripture, there's a few times where God actually blesses something. He blesses the animals, and what does it say? They were fruitful. And multiplied. He blesses the humans and they were fruitful and multiplied. To bless something is to make it fruitful, not harmful. It's to make it productive. And yet it's interesting because God says He blessed the Sabbath day, but it was a day that you stopped and rested. It's like, stop, don't move, but somehow be productive. It's like, how does that make sense? It reminds me of cuddling. You know, at the end of the day, when your kids are, like, finally asleep, and I, this is at least for me. I, I'm not going to speak for you, but, like, I kind of turn to my wife. I'm like, babe, we got an hour. Let's clean this house. Let's get it all done. You know, we can finally be efficient. There's no kid chasing after us. And she'll just be like, can't we just cuddle? And I'm like, how is that efficient? How is that productive? What does that accomplish? And it, somehow it does. Somehow doing nothing. just Somehow that's effective. In a different sort of way, and you would only know once you've taken part of it. Somehow God looks at this world where he's been moving and moving and moving and then he stops and says, don't move, rest. This is productive. This is fruitful. Somehow it is. and That's what we're going to discover today. And then lastly, another word that we throw around and yet I'm not sure we know what it means, holy. Made the seventh day holy. Do you know what holy means? A cut above. Better than the rest. Lexus versus Toyota. I drive a Toyota, okay, I'm not offending anybody who drives a Toyota, I get that. But that's what holy means. God, it's something set apart for God, it is better than everything else. He takes the seventh day and he's like, no, this day is not a less day, this day is not a nothing day, everything else that's good happens, and then there's the seventh day where you just stop. He's like, this is the best day, it's better than all the rest, Like, but you didn't create anything, the rest of the days you were creating amazing things, like, it's the best. Just trust me, we're going to unpack why that is so. Bottom line is, Sabbath is a better day, it's a special day, it's a day of rest, And delight, it's incredibly fruitful and productive even though you don't do anything. How does that work? That's the journey that we're going to go on today. One of my favorite authors, Pete Scazzaro, if you've been reading the day by day, you've been blessed by his insights, has four words that he summarizes this entire narrative of Sabbath. I want you to read them with me. They're up on the screen. Ready? Stop, rest, delight, contemplate. If you remember those four words, you will understand how to Sabbath in a way that is good. Okay, and I'm going to explain those to you, but remember not how, wow. Okay, good, I like it. Here we go. First thing, stop. Whatever it is that you do, stop doing it. If you go to work, don't go to work. If you check emails, don't check emails. If you check your phone all throughout work, then don't even pick up your phone on the Sabbath. It is a day to cease all the activity that you normally do on the Sabbath and to take part in something totally new. If you're constantly taking appointments, don't take any appointments. If you're constantly scheduling, don't schedule anything. If you're constantly having to think and make decisions, don't do any of that on your Sabbath. It's a day to stop all of your regular activity. For me, since my job is a bunch of have-tos, I have a whole bunch of things throughout the week. It's this meeting, it's this meeting, it's this meeting, it's this deadline, it's this deadline. Everything has to be done in a certain way. My my rule on Sabbath is I just stop having to do things. There's nothing in my Sabbath that is a have-to. All of it is a want-to a desire to, like to. Second one, rest. You rest physically. You rest mentally. That looks different for all of you. You'll find in scripture there's very few instructions on how to Sabbath because I think it's kind of one of those things, it's a dance that you discover what works for you and what works for you in season. You rest, You rest. some of you that means you take a nap because you're on a job site all week long and your body is exhausted. For those of you, you sit at a desk all day and you want to go kayaking or you want to play ping pong or you want to be active. That's restful for you. Some of you want to garden. Some of you have a job where you never see productivity at the end of the day. You always wonder what you did. And so for you, it's restful to mow your lawn. It just feels good. And you finish at the end and you're like, ah, that may be restful. That's a Sabbath activity. Great. Others of you need to rest from trying to make decisions. I don't like making decisions on Sabbath because I make decisions every other day of the week. So I try and pre-plan all my decisions beforehand. Others of you, you multitask all week long. Don't multitask. Others of you, you try and be on time for everything. Don't wear a watch on Sabbath. Can you imagine, okay? And you're like, how oh, Don't worry about it. Just wow, a day to stop, to rest. I don't know how it's possible. Don't worry about how it's possible. Just, wouldn't that be amazing if it could happen? Okay, yeah. Delight, delight. God paused, looked at creation, and He just delighted in all of it. He said, "Wow! What would it look like to spend a day delighting in creation? Delighting in good food." Delighting in friends, delighting in family, delighting in your hobbies, delighting in a good book. You know, for me, I love coffee, and on Sabbath, I grind my own coffee. And I pause, and I just smell it. I just make it by hand. I just, it's just a process. It's just delighting in it. I drink good wine, you know, the $7 a bottle stuff on Sabbath. It's just what I do. I make bacon on the morning. The whole house just smells like Sabbath. My kid loves it. I walk slower. I listen to music, I dance, I take a bubble bath, I mow my lawn, I visit people without a plan, just knock on their door if they're home, hey, how's it going, delight. Lastly, contemplate, spend time with God. Maybe it's you listen to worship music, maybe a sermon, maybe you come to Upper Room Community Church, You just delight in the people, delight in the conversation, delight in the worship, pause and reorientate and discover how great a God we have. You pause for maybe the first moment in your week and think, it's been a hard week, but he's been there through it all. Maybe you read, maybe you pray. Maybe you go out for a walk in nature and you pick up a leaf and you just look at the intricacies and you say, God, you are so creative. You just contemplate the beauty of God and his word and his people. In the world, I love this quote by Pete Scazzaro. He says, Sabbath is like re- receiving the gift of a heavy snow day every week. Stores are closed. Roads are impassable. Suddenly you have the gift of a day to do whatever you want. You don't have any obligation, pressures, or responsibilities. You have permission to play, to be with friends, take a nap, read a good book. Few would give ourselves a no-obligation day very often. God gives us one every day. Seventh day. Wow. Wow. I know what you're thinking. Okay, Mark, that's the creation story. It was nice, people running around, eating fruit. It was great. Then sin happened. Then the fall happened. Then the world got messed up. Then my world got messed up, and nothing is perfect. It's not like that anymore. Do you know that Sabbath isn't uh, if you have time, make time? It's actually something that God commands. You know, when the Israelites came out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery, do you know they had no idea what Sabbath was? You know, slaves don't Sabbath. They don't get a break. They don't get a day off. You ask them about Sabbath, they'd be like, I don't know. Like, ask your parents, I don't know. Ask your grandparents, they didn't know. 400 years, no generation they could think of would have had an idea of what Sabbath was, and when they finally are free and they enter the promised land, God sends instructions and he sends the Ten Commandments. If you didn't know why the Ten Commandments were given, they were given to people who were finally free to instruct them on how to live free. And right in the midst of those commands, we find this command, Exodus 20 verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor son, nor daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord has made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's like a loving father instructing his children, you don't have to work all the time. I want you to experience rest. I designed it into the fabric of creation. I even, I'm God and I only took six days. I didn't need the seventh day to rest, but almost like a parent lying down with their child before a nap to show them how to sleep. It's like they don't need to sleep. They're trying to show their kid how. I just get the sense that that's what God is doing in creation. He's modeling with us how he has designed creation and how we are to live within it and to live freely within it. Okay, Mark, but that's, that's Old Testament, you know, and then Jesus, New Testament. You know, Jesus didn't come to take away the law. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. In fact, there's this time where the religious leaders are bothering Jesus, and they're testing him, and they ask him, what's the greatest command? What's the greatest command? And he does something fascinating. He summarizes the entire Bible in two commands. Remember that? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, love God. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. Everything you find in the scriptures in those two, he, he says that. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I love this image, it just shows it so clearly. It shows that everything that you find in the Bible, every law, every command that God ever gave, if you think about it, was all about encouraging us, pushing us, exemplifying this idea of loving God and loving our neighbor. The reason you don't lie it's not because the Bible says so. The reason we don't lie is because we're called to love and lying is choosing ourselves over others. It's protecting ourselves in the interest of ourselves. You know you don't cheat? Well, the Bible says don't cheat. No, you don't cheat because it's not loving. Somehow when we follow God's rules, it supports and influences our ability to continue to love him and to love others and that means somehow Sabbath stopping one day every seven supports and influences our ability to love God and love others you think well how is it that stopping for a day helps me love God and love others more and we're gonna get to that in a little bit but let me just summarize so far we've discovered as we've gone through the, the passage it's up on the screen Sabbath was designed in the fabric of creation. The Israelites were commanded to rest, and Jesus made sure the religious people understood it's a gift to be enjoyed, not a burden to be endured. And somehow, Sabbath, Sabbath supports and influences our ability to love. This is so important, because that means that somehow, if we abandon Sabbath, we are negatively influencing our ability to love God and love people. How? How? It doesn't actually tell us, but that's kind of the joy and the excitement of experiencing it. And I'll give you a few examples, but it's kind of just the cool thing about it. And so let me see if I can give you two observations very quickly as to how it is that Sabbath influences the rest of our week and helps us love God and love others. Number one, Sabbath is the boss. It's the main influencer in our week. Remember that word holy? Remember this idea of being a cut above better than the rest? You ever notice at work that your boss doesn't take orders from you? Sucks, doesn't it? You ever notice that your boss gives you orders? It's because he's above you. I know it sucks, but it's true. Sabbath is above every other day. Sabbath does not do what the other six days of the week tell it. In fact, the other six days of the week get no hold on the Sabbath doesn't matter if you've finished everything. It's not a reward for all the work that you've done. It is a gift God put in the fabric of creation and he gives us every single week. Sabbath is not the answer to the other six days, but you know what happens when you do Sabbath? It influences and infiltrates every other day of the week. When you spend a day where you just stop and you rest and you delight in the beauty of creation and you contemplate how great God is, I promise you that pace is, begins to influence your week i can't explain it but it does i see it every single week when i honor the sabbath i just see it just transform my week completely when you let sabbath be holy when you let it be the boss when you let it be a cut above the rest of your week and you do not let sabbath answer to the other six days but you allow it to be first and every other day to revolve around it you will discover your love for creation your love for people your love for god will grow immensely i promise you Second thing, Sabbath frees us from worry, and it frees us to love. Do you know that for thousands of years, people who take Sabbath have had one thing in common? And it wasn't that they had bosses that were lenient, and if they understood that if you didn't get everything done, it was okay, just take a Sabbath. It wasn't that they had a work-life balance that didn't mirror yours. It wasn't that they didn't have any kids. The thing that everybody who takes a true Sabbath has in common is this. They believe that God created the world in six days and he's the one who holds it together, not them. People who Sabbath have a faith and trust that if they stop for a day, God is still in control, that God is going to take care of it. And there is something about people who have faith in God that makes them more loving. You know why? Because it's really hard to be loving when you think that you hold the whole world together, and you're the one who makes it rain, and if you don't hustle and if you don't work, there's no way that you're gonna People who Sabbath have a trust that goes beyond their own work ethic. They believe that God is the one who's revolving the world. God is the one who gives us oxygen. God is the one who provides it all. And that when we take his gift of Sabbath, that he can handle the world for a day. And that makes us free to love. In fact, I have this little sentence here that kind of summarizes that idea. Sabbath, it's on the screen is a weekly reminder that God holds the world together, and we are free to love our neighbor. So the bottom line, if we can go back, I I told Josie I might screw up the order. If you can go back, Sabbath, really, is for lovers. That's the one-liner for today. That's what you need to remember. Sabbath is all about loving the world, loving creation, loving our God, and letting that influence, infiltrate, impact the rest of our week. It's a gift that God has given us. It's not a burden to be endured. It's a gift to be enjoyed. Sabbath is for lovers. Can you imagine how different the world would be if we would just pause once a week, stop what we were doing, rest, rest physically, rest mentally, contemplate the fact that God's still holding the world together and delight in his beautiful creation. Can you imagine what that would do? I know what you're thinking. Okay, but how? Mark, you don't know my life. Finally, we'll get to the how. I'll help you, okay? Three things, not to say these are all of them, but three challenges that I find often when talking to people and in my own life that often get in the way of Sabbath. Number one, church. Mark, we go to this place called Upper Room Community Church. We don't have a building. Sabbaths are crazy busy and tiring. I don't know how to Sabbath. Number two, Mark, I have young kids, and Sabbath is basically being alone with these crazy terrorizers, and it's just not restful at all. And number three, I'm just too busy. There's too much to get done. There's not enough hours in the day. So how in the world do I Sabbath? Can I just give you some practical advice for those three things? Because I so badly don't want you caught up in the how. I want you back in the wow. Number one, how do you Sabbath being part of Upper Room Community Church? I feel this. At Connection, our volunteers are, here, are there at the same time yours are, and our service starts over an hour after yours, okay? If anyone gets how busy Sunday mornings are in a portable church, I get it. So let me give you an example of how that works for some people. For some people, they just see the the fact that God has made them work only five days as a gift. They give that sixth day to connection, and they kind of Sabbath on Sunday. That's kind of some people in our church, they do that. Others, though, they actually see, and they're there for literally seven, eight hours on a Sunday, and they just need that physical rest, so they just carved out their Saturdays as Sabbath. But the bulk of our people actually still Sabbath on Sunday. They just find it such a delight, you see, because they stop what they're regularly doing, and they step into something totally new. They get to use different gifts that they ever use, and they do it with such joy. In fact, I want to show you a picture of my church. You see in the picture there's a woman there named Faith. She's leading worship, and she's uh, an accountant, and she's a teacher. And so all week she's kind of at a desk and doing those different things. And on Sunday she gets to lead worship, and I was just chatting with her last night. She says, it's freeing, it's life-giving, and it is a delight. And she's just there every Sunday morning having a joy, laughing, leading worship. It's just such a great time. I don't know if you notice the environment, but the lights are kind of cool at Connection. We don't even own those lights. This is a guy named Michael Tugan. Michael Tugan, uh, he's a tech uh, support guy, so he's, you know, computers all day. And Sunday mornings, you know what he does? 7.30 in the morning, he loads up his car with all his own personal lights. He drives the Connection in the freezing cold, and he shows up into this 1950s school gym, and he looks at it like a canvas, and he just paints it with light, like an artist at work. We try and give him a week off, he still shows up. He just loves it so much. He's always doing it. It's just, it's his delight. It's his joy. He's stopping. He's moving at a different pace. He's creating with creativity like our God, the artist who created the world. He's enjoying people. He plays music. He brings his stereo, and he's just having a good time while he's doing it. See, Thomas, he's in the back row with a striped shirt. He shows up early every Sunday morning with Starbucks. I don't know where he gets it from. There's no Starbucks in Rexdale, but he shows up with it every time, and he just hangs out. He's always earlier than his task is, and I mean, he's an engineer, so he's at a desk often all day, and so he's there, and he's just building a space for our kids, and he's always hanging out. He leads a bunch of youth to do that as well, he's just enjoying, delighting, and then he comes back with this large coffee that never seems to end, and he just hangs out and chats with the tech people before service starts. He's just delighting and resting, and enjoying. There's Ryan, Ryan's on the steel pan, he's West Indian, I guess you can kinda of make that you know, collaboration, but Ryan is actually our sound guy, this is week off, we gave him a week off, we're like, Ryan, you're off this week, rest, so he gets his steel pan out and joins the band, he just so loves making music, he loves making great sounds, that's what he does, so somehow they have found a way to turn their Sabbath into a day of delight, there's Mike, who you can't see, he's filling food at the back, because we always have this amazing spread of food, And uh, Mike works in car parts. He's a car parts manager all week. And yet one of the things that he loves is greeting people. He worked for decades at Maple Leaf Gardens greeting people. And no matter what schedule we write, he will never, ever take a week off because he's there early greeting people like Forrest Gump at the front door, just waving people in. He's so happy to do it. He's stopping what he normally does. And he's creating and he's delighting. He's delighting in people and he's just delighting in God. They've found a way delight and enjoy and contemplate God even in the midst of doing good as Jesus said on the Sabbath. And so if you're kind of at a place where you're like, okay, but that's not the pace that I'm at, and you know, when I serve up a room, I just feel stressed and overwhelmed, then you know what? talk with VJ, talk with Tony, talk with the team members, talk with your team lead. And just say, how can I make delighting in the Sabbath more restful? And maybe it means just prepping earlier throughout the week so you just show up and you're able to be present with kids, tell them about Jesus, and it just becomes a little more restful that way. There's so many different ways, and I know the last thing I've spoken with your team so many times, and the last thing they want... Is people showing up to serve bitter and gr- gr- uh, grungy and all. grungy, that's not even a word. Anyways, we'll call it a word today. You're grungy. Just own it. Just go with it. All right, whatever, right? Talk with them. I knew a guy, he was, he was half the time he was never at church, and I just asked him what was going on. And he just realized he was working so many jobs, he didn't even need to. He came back the next week, he's like, I quit my job. One, one of the jobs. He has two jobs, right? And now he's at church every single Sunday. He's so happy. He's now serving, too. It was just the pace of his life. Just needed to change, and when he put the thing that needed to be there, all of a sudden everything else bowed in its place. Number two. I'm too busy, I have too much to do. Okay, this one's a simple one to say and a very hard one to work out. I don't have to work it out. You do. So good luck. Okay, this is what I say all the time. It's up on the screen. If you can't get it all done, there are things in your week that God doesn't want you doing. If you cannot get it all done, there are things in your week that God does not want you doing. Well, what is it? I don't know, but I promise you, if you will try and place Sabbath in your week, all of a sudden you will start to discover the things that aren't as important. I discovered it every week, because every week I do not feel like I'm done, and every week my to-do list is still going, and yet when I Sabbath, I put what's most important in place, and I watch other things that aren't as important fall off. It's a great conversation to have with your community group. It's a great conversation to wrestle through if you're in triads. Just be wrestling with this idea of, I feel too busy, but I'm going to put it in place, and what needs to go, and have them look at your schedule and poke holes and ask questions, and all of a sudden, you will find that God will make a way. If you're too busy, there are definitely things that you're involved in that God does not want you to be involved in or get you doing, or at least not on the timeline that you have. Lastly, I have young kids, Mark. And Sabbath is not restful. I feel this, okay? We had a kid 18 months ago. Sabbath has never been the same. It's really not restful. My wife's like, I, I do kid all day, all week, and then I have kid on Sabbath. It's not restful. And so we've just been kind of fighting for this. We've just been kind of like, you know what? If this is a good gift and God has given it to us, G.K. Chesterton has this amazing quote where he says, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. You figure it out. You fight for it. These last few weeks have been incredibly hard to Sabbath. My wife has been incredibly sick. She's been on bed rest. You have nurses visiting, IV, and I don't know about you, but 18-month-olds and people on bed rest do not mix well. You know, They have no energy. Toddlers see someone lying down. They think that's their opportunity to pounce. They see IV lines, and they want to swing on them like Tarzan. And so basically, my job on Sabbath was get this kid out of our house for a day away from me. That does not sound restful to me. I'm an introvert. I want to be alone. I don't want to see people. I don't want to, I love my kid, but I don't want to see him. I just want to rest with a good book and a a cup of coffee. But I want Sabbath. So I planned the day out. I made myself a nice coffee. I packed him some snacks and a book, and we went for a drive. Driving up towards Vaughn, and then all of a sudden, because I had no calendar and I had no watch, I just thought, I know the guy who works at that metal fabrication shop. I'm going to stop so Grayson and I went in, my little guy, and, and uh, you know, I put him on the forklift, and he just pretended to drive, and we just chatted. Hey, how's it going? How's the family? We just caught up, hadn't seen them in a while, and just cared for them. Then we drove up to the Auto Mall in, uh, in Vaughn. We didn't have one in Rexdale, so I drove there, went to the Ferrari dealership, and my kid loves cars. He's like hitting the wheels, vroom, vroom, vroom. And then we went to, the, you know, to Fiat, and he, you know, the convertible's unlocked. So he just sat in the convertible. I don't know if you see it here. There he is. And, and then this is, okay, this is just, you just get creative. You just claw at Sabbath, because I was so tired. You know, I was caring for my wife, caring for this kid. I just needed to rest. So see that space in between him and the, the seat? So I just crawled in there, and I just closed my eyes. I just rested, and he just, pff, half an hour. <sighs> 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 Every five minutes, just opened oh my eyes, smiling at my son, delighting like father. And then I went back to my little rest. On the way out, we talked with the receptionist. We just delighted in people, delighted in God's creation, enjoyed the weather, went to the river, threw some stones. I wanted to go jacket shopping, but taking any 18 month old shopping just seems like a nightmare. So we played hide and go seek with the jackets. And the store people got involved and we were chatting with them and then they started playing with my kids and I got to try on jackets and it was just, I was just like, I am going to fight for this because this is a gift and there is a pile of dishes at home and there is laundry that I can't get done and I want to just put my kid with the grandparents and get it all done but Sabbath is a day, it is a gift from God, not a reward for getting everything done but a reminder that he is in control and he holds the world together. Wow. Imagine what would happen if we fought for it. Imagine what would happen if we honored it imagine how it would influence the love for God and the love for others in our lives. The band is going to come up right now and they're going to lead us in this final song, and I love it. The, su- the words are, when the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood and I know your lives feel like storms and floods some days. And I love this line. I will be still and know you. Our God. He holds the world together, not us. Let's sing and worship. Before you uh, sit down and Tony gives the announcements, I just want to bless you. I just, as i was asking God, I just sends him to say, just bless this place as a place they may launch people into Sabbath. That this would not be a place that you come and rush out to all the to-do lists, but that even here, even being a portable church with a timeline that you need to be out, that this may be a space where you can delight in people and delight in God, delight in good coffee
1: kids running around all the time. Be blessed.